I'm Pastor John Peterson. I'm Pastor Luke Ulrich. And I'm Vicar Jacob Kempfert. The Mount Olive Mankato podcast is your weekly message of peace with God through Jesus Christ. We welcome you to join us on Sundays in Mankato to experience the friendship of our congregation and Christ's love. For service times or to learn more about Mount Olive, visit us at mountolivelutheran.org. That's mtolivelutheran.org. And now it's time for your weekly message of peace with God through Jesus Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God the Father and from the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The Word of God, which we will consider today, is recorded in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 26, reading verses 5 through 10, as follows in Jesus' name. Then you will respond and say in the presence of the Lord your God, My father was a wandering Aramean. He went down to Egypt and lived there as an alien with just a few people. But there he became a great, strong, and populous nation. The Egyptians mistreated and afflicted us. They imposed hard labor on us. We cried out to the Lord, the God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice, and he saw our affliction, our labor, and oppression. The Lord brought us out of Egypt with a strong hand and an outstretched arm and with great awe-inspiring acts and signs and wonders. He brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So now look, as I bring the first fruits of the soil that you have given me, Lord, then set the basket down before the Lord your God and bow down before the Lord your God. These are the words, Heavenly Father, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ, dear fellow redeemed, it's called muscle memory. That's when you have done something so many times that your body and your muscles, your reflexes can perform some task, some function without having to think about it too hard. Muscle memory makes it possible for someone who hasn't been on a bicycle in decades to ride down the street without falling over. Muscle memory is what gives professional golfers the ability to hit consistently 300-yard drives straight down the fairway. Some talented people have the ability ability to sit down at a piano and play a tune simply by recalling it from memory. In the course of our daily lives, we perform many different tasks, and some of them quite complicated but we can do them very quickly and easily because we instinctively remember all of the steps involved and can carry them out. The readings and the hymns for this, the ninth Sunday of the Trinity season, traditionally speak about the topic of Christian stewardship. We're thinking about that today under this theme, giving by memory. It's true, our generous stewardship 
of time and abilities and money doesn't come naturally to any of us. Our old sinful nature strains and pulls and pushes against the idea that we should give anything of ours to someone else. The devil hates this idea of our giving offerings to the Lord for the spreading of the saving gospel of Jesus. He knows that as people are converted by that message of salvation through faith in Christ, he has lost them as partners in his everlasting misery. Now, how does this sort of giving by memory happen? Today we note this. It happens as we, first of all, remember God's mercy. Secondly, as we remember God's generosity. And thirdly, as we remember to give our thanks to him. The Old Testament Israelites were very aware that they had been shown mercy from God. Moses spoke these words of our text to them as they stood on the threshold of entering into the promised land of Cana. And as they did that, he wanted them to remember where they had been, how they started long, long ago in Egypt with just a small number of people and then how they became a powerful and populous nation there among the Egyptians. And then how for many generations they had to live as slaves in Egypt. He reminded them, but the Egyptians mistreated us and afflicted us. They imposed hard labor on us. Life was dreary and difficult for the people of Israel all those many years as they lived as the property of others. But the Lord had not forgotten his promise. He knew the hardships that his people faced, and he heard their cries for help. Our text says, The Lord brought us out of Egypt with a strong hand and an outstretched arm, and with awe-inspiring acts and signs and wonders. Through Moses, the Lord worked a series of great and fearsome miracles, referred to as the Ten Plagues, which finally persuaded Israel's ruler to release them. They should and would always remember his mercy for them, which brought them out of slavery and to their freedom. You and I should always remember and never forget how God has shown mercy to us. We should recall our former condition when we were lost in sin and enslaved to the devil's tyranny. Like Israel long ago, we were powerless against such oppression. And strangely, as human beings fallen by nature, we become comfortable with our sins. Making big changes in our lives is uncomfortable and inconvenient. So instead, we feared any involvement with God and hated him. And that same thing was true also for many of the Israelites. Some of them resisted the idea of being liberated after living in Babylon for many years. So we read in the epistle to the Romans, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things that you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. 
Unless we were set free by God's love, by his mercy, we would face everlasting death, separated forever from God in hell. But moved by his deep and driven mercy, God sent us a greater Moses, that is, his own son, born of the Virgin Mary. Jesus came to set us free and to lead us out of our slavery to sin. He, the truly free and innocent one, consented to be tormented by Satan and then to be locked in death's cruel grip on the cross. But throughout his days on earth, Satan could not tempt our Lord Jesus to sin even once. And death on Good Friday could not hold him, for he rose from the grave alive on the third day, the first fruits of the great harvest to be raised up on the last day. As the individual Israelites pondered their deliverance from the Pharaoh in Egypt, we also should meditate on our liberation through God's mercy. We should remember, and in gratitude, we should give by memory. Giving by memory means also this, that we remember God's generosity to us. His generosity was especially revealed in giving the Israelites the promised land where they would have everything they could want or need and where they would lack nothing. They should recite these words. He brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. God didn't simply set his people free and then leave them to themselves at the border of Egypt. All along the way, over a period of 40 years, God fed them with manna from heaven and he provided fresh water which flowed for them from the desert rocks. And once they arrived in Cana, the promised land, they had at their complete disposal fresh springs of water, fields of wheat and barley, vines, figs, olives, and honey. In addition, an abundant supply of granite and iron. Earlier, Moses had told the people, when you've eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. The fear and the turmoil and all of the restrictions we've been facing these past few months, these months of the pandemic, have led us to take stock, to remember all that we've been given by God. Despite these turbulent, uncertain times we're going through with civil unrest and financial worries, we realize that we still have at our fingertips everything the people of Israel had in Cana. The shortages that we have faced since March or so serve to remind us of the great abundance that's usually on hand for us. Sometimes we have to go through loss in order to fully realize what we've had and to fully measure the Lord's great generosity. All of this is a gift of his love and we should always remember and give by memory. 
as we remember God's mercy and generosity, we should also be motivated to offer and express to him our thanks. After he reviewed the story of God's goodness to Israel, Moses instructed the people in what they should say to the Lord as they brought their offerings to him. So now look as I bring the first fruits of the soil that you have given me, Lord. And with that recitation of appreciation, the people were instructed, then set the basket down before the Lord and bow down before the Lord your God. As the Israelites gathered in the harvest in their new homeland, they were directed to present to the Lord the first fruits of what they had reaped from the soil. This would become a physical token of the thanks that was welling up in their hearts. So this act was more than a mouthing of the words, thank you, their deeds accompanied their gratitude to God for all he had done and given them. This act of giving also served to remind the people of just where their bounty had come from. By giving a portion of the harvest back to the Lord, they would stay mindful of the fact that without him, they would have nothing at all. Before this, Moses declared, be careful that you do not forget the Lord our God. He warned them that prosperity breeds forgetfulness. He said, and your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied. Then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God. And so we bring forward to the Lord our offerings. We do this not just to maintain our congregation's annual budget. And while we want to do that, and while we should be concerned about our deficit and desire to keep our various programs fully funded, still that's not the main reason for our giving offerings and our giving of our time in assisting and in serving the church. Instead, we should remember God's promise to provide for us everything that we need here on earth and see how richly he keeps that promise. Even more, we should look to the cross of our Savior and be reminded that from it flows in an unending stream God's grace and mercy by which he forgives us every day all of our sins for the sake of his innocent and holy Son who died in our place on the cross. Out of pure gratitude to him, let us then happily respond by giving back a generous offering of our lives and all that we have. Remember, Scripture says, the Lord loves a cheerful giver. Doing this will help us also to remember that the real owner of everything that we have, everything we call our own, is God. We're just the stewards, the caretakers of his gifts. Our goods and money have been loaned to us for use during our days here on earth as we await to enter into the everlasting promised land of heaven. 
So as freely as we have received mercy from God, so freely and with joyous confidence, we should make our offerings to him so that his word, that message of forgiveness and life and salvation can continue to be preached and taught here among us, in our community, and through our synods mission programs across the country and around the world. When we think about it, we do many things by memory. You can still probably throw a baseball or ski down a hill even after many years of not doing it. Our giving, our stewardship should also be done from memory. Remember the Lord's mercy. Remember his generosity. And remember to respond thankfully. For Jesus' sake, amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and shall be forevermore. Amen. And now the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.